What is up? Welcome. Hey, to everyone. Try not to blink. Here we are. We're becoming pros at this, aren't we, Roya? I mean, third one. I feel like that's a pretty, pretty big, pretty big feat. We're doing pretty good. I guess and we're not there yet. Your... We'll wait till the end. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we're, I think we're getting better. But for those of you who don't know, and those of you who do, this is try not to blink. It's a podcast about the ups and downs, ins and outs, news, tips and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. That's me and Roya here. And of course, we'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who have made this possible. They are, of course, makers of stellar gas permeable lenses and the oh-so-incredible custom stable scleral lens. And in case you didn't catch it already, my name is Dr. James Diem, and I'm joined by the oh-so-talented Dr. Roya Habibi. Roya, how are you today? I'm, I'm kicking. I'm alive. Shocked I got out of clinic today, to be honest. But Was it a busy day? Oh, goodness. I mean, you know, so, it's just one of those days where things just don't end. So tell me about the optometry lifestyle today. Because I really feel like today I lived the optometry lifestyle. Oh, and my god! We kind of joke about that, but, you know, it is a real thing. So to you today, what was the optometry lifestyle? Okay, I'm going to go there with this and tell you this amazing new vocabulary word that I think that we all need to know. And maybe you're not going to believe or think that you know a person like this because you love these type of people, I think. But I learned <laughs> about the person called an asshole. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. An asshole. Did you just curse? Is the I didn't. No, it's asshole. The people that censor us gonna be giving us a call. There might be a bleep. This Holy is a person who constantly asks for your advice, yet does the opposite of what you tell them. Oh my god, An that's like asshole. everybody. <laughs> I love it. Right? Ooh. I had a couple of those today, and they just really threw off my day. Ugh. I mean, God bless them. You know, you don't want to be mad at people like that, but but it's really easy to. Oh my gosh, just really can mess up your afternoon. I had a mom asshole. I had a wife <laughs> asshole. <laughs> That's the best thing ever. I love it. Seriously, oh, I'm gonna use that so much tomorrow. I know, right? It's just yes. so perfect. Take your asshole somewhere else. <laughs> right. Right. I'm just kidding. That's terrible. But you just got back from AOA, correct? I did. Yes. So obviously really a super wonder- busy day after a couple of days off. Uh, the optometry lifestyle right here. <laughs> so I'm just going to quick prime just so everybody knows. In a couple of minutes, we're going to get into some really cool conversation about uh, some cool technology, what we like, what we don't like. So must things have that machines. We need to have. Must have machines. That's what we're talking about. But real quick. Before we get there, I do want to share my optometry lifestyle today because it was nuts. And I just was driving home a couple minutes ago and I was just thinking, man, this is this is optometry, you know. Um, So seven o'clock, I'm up. I, you know, quick get ready, go to go to work, doing charts, doing charts for about an hour and catching up as much as I can. Patients all day. Uh, had a um, industry lunch, somebody coming in, you know, doing an industry lunch. And um, I, I don't ever take a lunch. I work right through lunch. So it was right. a quick, you know, a little bit of chit chat there. Um, this evening, I had a a fitting workshop at PCO, which nice. was so much fun. So fun. Pennsylvania College up to my alumni. Uh, so that was really fun to be there and go with the students and chat with them about, you know, their excitement for the future. 
third years. So shout out to PCO third years. And uh, on my way home, I got called by a uh, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, a a worried daughter uh, for her 91-year-old mother who came in two days ago with severe filamentary keratitis. It was one of the worst I've ever seen. Her eyelids barely closed, just super duper dry. Um, So we pull the filaments off, we clean it up, and I put a membrane on. Yep. Uh, So now the membrane is driving, you know... Her crazy. Yes. So... I drove to her house and No, you it. did not. Yes, I did. So so that was the optometry lifestyle for me today. She was super thankful. Oh yeah. And um, you know, I think to myself, if I'm ninety one years old, you know Look at you, I want to be able to sleep. Superhero DM. It it was a good day. So that was my day and uh and here I am with you. So it's a great way to round it out. I mean, I feel like I had I won't even go in, but I feel I feel you. I feel you. Maybe I'll just add that I woke up at 5 a.m. to go work out. But, you know, you got to say swole. I, I like it. Summer's here. <laughs> so tell Good us job. a little bit about AOA for so those AOA who was... aren't lucky enough to drop the real world for a minute to go. Work. Yeah. It's hard to do, by the way, right? Yeah. I mean, it, to hop on a plane, spend a thousand dollars or more to get there, and then more to stay there, and then to eat and everything else, the registration—it's a big investment. So oh, you really sure. want to make sure you're going to get some bang for your buck. So I happen to be on the meetings committee for the OA. So as a disclosure, you know, I, I do—I think they do a lot of good work to try and make it a good meeting. Um, so I think the highlight for me beyond all the great education and um, uh, the the good exhibit hall was uh, Aaron Ralston. So Who? Aaron Ralston. Aaron Ralston. Have you ever heard of this guy? Tell me more. Aaron Ralston is a motivational speaker, avid outdoorsman, and he happens to be uh, the gentleman who lost his arm in a crevasse while hiking. Cravine? Uh a who? <laughs> Go on, sorry. So, the story's riveting. I can't. <laughs> so, so he's the guy of James Franco fame, the guy who had the twenty-seven the hours, twenty-seven hours or days yes. or whatever it is. So yes. the guy was in there for like six or seven days. Worst nightmare. Um, unbelievable. Really interesting, though, and he was a very powerful speaker. Of course, he, he's amputated one arm, and he has a prosthetic. And, you know, the, just to kind of keep it short and simple, you, you know, he was just faced with his own mortality. And as a result, you know, he was put – his life was put in a perspective. And, and basically what he highlighted was how important family is, how important – your life is and yeah. just to kind of stop and smell the roses every so often. And he used the, the, the boulder that, you know, ultimately pinned his right arm between, you know, this, this boulder and the rock. And he had to actually saw his own arm off, um, to, to get out and live. Ugh. He used that boulder as a metaphor, you know, for challenges that we have in our life, of course. So, aren't you know, glad we don't have to saw people's arms off in our profession? Just a quick, <laughs> it's, yeah, I am. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> I'm happy about that. And I'm happy I've never had to be faced with that decision because yes, I don't know that same. I'd be able to all, have done it. All yes. So, so that was mostly so anyway, that unexpected was the best part. surprise. Definitely. Howie well, Mandel was also there. Whoa. 
Howie Mandel is like a solid B-lister. So, <laughs> I mean, wow, we got him. Kudos to AOA for getting that solid B-lister. I mean, he's America's Got Talent fame. Dang straight. Okay, so that's so pretty darn. What good. was like your best CE event you went to? So, it was a really busy meeting, and and so for me, I didn't get to do a ton of CE, but um. There, there. The thing I like about CE right now, one that I went to, was a really good roundtable discussion. So I like the rapid fire type yep. talk. So I went to a really good rapid fire talk on glaucoma. Cool. That that I thought was good. So talking about some of the new meds out there. So th- which th- one that, are you going to start prescribing more? Well, I I think the what I'm intrigued about is uh, the new airy medicines, repressant, roclitan. I only have one or two patients on the, the repressor right now, and I don't have any, you know, positive or negative about it. Sure. So, cool. Uh, Visalta, I'm I'm a fan of right now. It's it's doing pretty good for me. So. Anyway, so that was good. Sweet. And ultimately, it was neat to be in Denver. It was a good location. Yep. And uh, Denver's so always anyway. a cool spot, especially in the summer. How about Exhibit yeah. Hall? Anything cool, new machines that are cool? Well, Valley Contacts, of course, was rocking the booth. Yeah. And uh, they had the CS Cup going. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to post the winner of the CS Cup on, on the website. So we can yeah. put up their props to that that school, props to everybody who took part in that. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's some really good technology out there. You know what I think the interesting is just seeing the massiveness of these booths, the oh money that goes into it. It's Absolutely. absurd. You know, uh, Shire had a humongous booth. They kind of had a cool uh, virtual reality thing going on. Oh, you could, cool. like get into like the tears and be an eye cam and yeah so that was kind of <laughs> cool and then uh allergan kind of neat you know they were really launching true tier for sure. the first time on a public level for for optometry so it was just like step right up be stimulated you know so that was kind of <laughs> cool too they were just shoving things boogers everywhere boogers everywhere <laughs> people sneezing everywhere um so anyway, I just had bless his heart, a young guy come try out True Tear with me the other day, and I mean he sneezed like, and he was so hard trying, so hard, he sneezed and had snot. I'm not joking you, all over his shirt, and I was like, I've got to pull it together because I was just giggling the uh, whole time. It? it was Love just it. too much. I was like, <laughs> I doctors don't deal with boogers. You no. don't have to. No. <laughs> and you know there's boogers coming out when you stick that thing in there. When You're just I like wondering, are they going to be clear? to me. Are they going to be yellow? To take it off? To take the tips off? I'm like, Oh, I get Ugh. all in there. No. I get all up in the business. No, I mean like when they give you it back when they're done like, trying just it. Just get like a tissue and yeah. snap that thing off. Well, Wipe the bugs off. Uh, gross. Oh, we don't like that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, We sorry. will talk more about True Tear yeah, in the future. We'll be back for there. sure. Anyways. I do yes. love True Tier so far, but it's verdict's out still. Yes. But so going on so the that exhibit was, hall that stuff. That was AOA. Let's sit, that's the perfect segue into kind of what we were talking about. So we've been talking a little bit or thinking a little bit about like must-have machines, but I thought it might be kind of cool for us to share our current favorite machine. Yes. Our like Christmas number one wish list machine. And then... Maybe just for funsies slash to be a little controversial, let's say what machine you have right now that's like building a layer of dust that you could just don't care if you had or not. 
You would pay somebody to take it out of your office. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Why so, don't you start? What's your okay. current favorite machine? I am very hot on ERG and VEP right Whoa. now. And that is probably the most... Whipping out those un- letters? I know. What the hell does that even <laughs> Monograms? mean? Monograms? Is that like... I need somebody to ask hold me what <laughs> the ERG means. So ERG, electroretinogram, yep. VEP, visually evoked potential. And you may remember from school, some big oh. old dark, dingy room yes. where you did these things. And now, where the dust was. Of course... Yeah, the, now there's a couple <laughs> companies that have made this a s- little bit of a smaller device that you can use it really easily. Uh, and and honestly, it's it's a wonderful little extra piece of technology. We could use it in glaucoma. Really? We could use it in diabetes. We could use it in, of course, macular degeneration. How we could so? Use- yeah, so it it is a measure of retinal function at any period in time. So the neat thing about ERG is that it allows you to measure retinal stress. So everything else that you have, visual field, uh, OCT, um, even photos to a certain extent, are measures of death. You know, they're a measure of uh, structure. Maybe if you're think if you're talking about a picture or a OCT, they're a structural analysis, and they measure active things or non-active things. And then, of course, your visual field is a measure of function, uh, but it's a it's either dead or, or, or alive. Right. And so it, the neat thing about ERG is that it measures stress. So if you were to, say, notice that a ERG signal is reduced, treat somebody as in uh, glaucoma by increasing you know, the, the, by lowering their pressure or, and in diabetes, by getting their blood sugar under control, you could see an ARG go from deficient to good. Really? Uh, yes. So it's really, really cool to see that, use that as a way to, to track patients. And there is, there's a big trend right now in optometry going towards, uh, trying to be part of primary care management. You see, there was just a bill passed in California a year or two ago where they're being able to test blood sugars and, and treat some of these things like hypertension and, and, uh, uh, diabetes. So would you um, real talk want to do that in your office? I mean, you know, you're in a smaller town, so yeah. How, what's your so real real talk? I'm not a huge huge. Uh, it, it's not something that I'm like dying to do, um, but I am a firm advocate of not saying no or inhibiting our ability in any way. You know, sure. and I, I think we have the ability to it to do it. I mean, we just have so many patients that come into us that don't see primary care. You know, they don't see, you know, they just come in because they are getting their eyes checked or whatever. And, um, you know, so so I think that there is a good opportunity there. But I think you just have to know when to fold them, you know, and and certainly, you know, I, I think there's a lot of education, you know, even more education in that realm than even us doing more surgical stuff. Yeah. You know, I think do, yeah. us doing more surgical stuff is definitely a easier foray versus, um, you know, a a going into treating a hypertension or, or diabetes. I'm not really, you know, I'm trying to really be careful about how I say this. I'm not in love with that idea, but I certainly wouldn't prohibit or talk against any colleagues of mine that thought that they would want to do that. Sure. I mean, I think... I work in a group of ophthalmologists mostly, and 
one thing that I, I don't know if admire is the right word, but one thing I respect about a lot of ophthalmologists is like they find their niche and they don't care about anything else. And they refer so much. And obviously there's pros and cons to that because I'm sure you've seen a patient that's seen a corneal specialist every six months for the past 10 years, but they have glaucoma that no one's even looked at. So that's a problem. But they know when it's just like out of their realm oftentimes. And they don't want to do everything. And that's actually one of one of the oculoplastic surgeons with my in my practice says, like, Roya, why are you trying to do everything? And it's kind of true. Like, I want to be a certain amount. I want to be able to know what's going on, but I don't need to know how. And maybe I can know how, but do I need to actually follow through and manage that? I don't know. You know? That's totally. But I no, guess I totally- for the sake of a patient, if you had no other option. That's a different story. I live in downtown Seattle, so I have multiple doctors in my own building that treat and manage diabetes. So anyways, so that's your current fave. That's awesome. I need to look into that more. It's and and I will say one thing, and this is just in reference to, you know, of course I'm in a private practice. So, you know, I kind of always think about revenue and, you know, the cost of the device. And the cost of a device is anywhere from uh forty to sixty thousand dollars, so sure. pretty. You know, it's a pretty significant investment, but um, reimbursement is around one hundred and twenty dollars. Wow, um, more than an OCT. So it's, it's one of the highly, most highly reimbursed uh, tools out there. Uh, and uh, you know, if I look back, I'm just looking at a one of my talks here. Um, I have a slide on my reimbursements that I've had over the last uh, year or so, um, how many I've done and how much we've made. And this is just just me doing it. So, yeah, so over the last two years, I did um, 1,057 ERGs. Wow. Yeah, and uh, 611 VEPs. Um, so that's 63,000 in reimbursements for ERGs and 22,000 in reimbursements for, for V. So you paid off your machine, paid off my machine. And that's just me. That's, that's awesome. just me. You what know, about five just curious? Other, five this other is other the, we're talking about the thing that you put a contact on someone's eye and do like a nope. flicker. It's better Not now. anymore. Whoa. Yeah. Now there's just a, now there's just a little electrode that you what? stick underneath the eye, just a little sticker. It takes about five minutes to set up and five minutes to do, um, Wow. It, it really gives you a lot of Let's really good information. Let's post a link so people can look at this. Absolutely. I don't know much Absolutely. about it. That's great. Cool. Yeah. What about so, your wish list? Do you have a you have a must have? I've I've really been like I said I went to that talk recently on on um it was actually about glaucoma, but they did talk a little bit about OCT and they talked about some new stuff with OCT and I have a friend out here who talks a lot about OCTA. Um, and we actually yeah. just bought a new OCT and we were thinking about getting OCTA, but we didn't get it. And Shucks. I am so upset <laughs> because it looks really, really cool. It does. Now, the downside about OCTA, they're so cool. And and we're seeing a whole new level of dysfunction yes. that we never even saw before. So what I think is amazing about OCTA is I think it's going to rewrite the way we think about retinopathy because oh, we're seeing yeah. microaneurysms we never saw before. We're seeing, oh, yeah. um, a, you know, vascular uh, uh, hypofusion, yep. uh, hypoperfusion that we've never saw before. So um, anyway, so that would be my wish list. That sounds awesome. Yes. Is there anything you have that's gaining dust that you're like? Yeah, hmm. I well, 
there are things that are gaining dust that we don't really use. It's okay. Um, be frank with us. Most of those are outdated for pretty much everybody. Like a real keratometer. Like, let's be real. Who the hell uses that? that if black you do, thing? yeah. I think it actually is a balance for this for the for opter. Like it keeps it balanced. It. No, so it doesn't tip over. Is that what it's for? <laughs> it's like you put it on one side and the yeah. If you took it off, the, the whole foropter would tip. We actually had a um, practical for keratometry. It was oh, the first yeah. practical in at school, and I failed the oh. shit out of that. Whoa. I failed the shit out of it. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, you're still actually resentful. That's the problem. Oh, That's why I'm you don't so try. resentful, Doctor Perlman Storch. If you're out there, <laughs> you. You had me. You had me shaking in my boots. Yep. So anyway, she uh, she failed me on that. Ooh. So I don't like that. But anyway, the thing I would get rid of if I could, but I can't, is a visual field. It drives me nuts. Patients hate it. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's so outdated. I feel like we should have some new level of uh, technology that measures function. And to like me, I think the ERG... I think the ERG fits that. Yeah. And and so multifocal ERG, I think eventually when it becomes more readily available and uh, repeatable, will take the place of a of a visual field. Sweet. So I like this. Yeah. Good. What about you? Ooh, should I do the re- reverse or no? Yeah, I'll start let's... from the top. All what right, should I fine. do? You tell me. All right. So let's start with. Let's start with what you what you love right now. I think okay. that's that's kind of like the natural progression, fine. right? Like Deal. where you're at right now. Feel fine. Uh, currently, my favorite, I would have to say, is my my Bomian Glam imaging device. So uh-huh. my favorite personally is Lip of You. I haven't personally worked with the keratograph, so I have, don't have much to say on that. Not to say that it's not effective, but we have a lipis scan as well at some of our other satellite locations. I think the lip of you personally is better because it gives you more information, particularly the blink pattern and the, um, uh, why well, I'm going blank. The, uh, does it actually here. give you my biography too? Oh like yeah. You, can you see the glands? Oh yeah. yeah. Beautiful images of the mybomian glands. And I mean, yeah. it's just such a slow pitch on telling someone you have these glands in your eyelids Blah, blah, blah. When you, someone Does it sees, do the interferometry? Is that yes. like the tear interferometry? Okay. Yes. Okay. That's Yeah, that's going to measure your uh, lipid layer thickness. Okay. It re- measures blink rate, which is pretty cool. Because when someone sees how well they're blinking, and by that I mean how well they're not blinking, they it's very enlightening for people. And then, of course, when you see their meibomian glands and someone's had recurrent styes or they've just had chronic dryness – that they don't know why they're doing a warm compress, don't know why they're doing all this stuff, and it's not really working, and you show them something that shows a bunch of meibomian gland dropout, it's like you just cut off a huge portion of your conversation that, as we know, is usually 85% of why people have dry eyes. So I think it's awesome. And honestly, I don't know why more optometrists don't take advantage of scan because it's or view or any sort of meibomian gland imaging because it really that is such a easy thing for us to fix and treat and though I'm not sure the price of the keratograph but I know scan is probably around last time I checked in the 12,000 range if you wanted the view, which is the larger unit that's in the I believe 40,000 range and then lip lip of flow, if you're going to treat and do lip of flow, that's in the 20,000 range. And that all might have changed. And, of course, different reps and different deals come up. But it is it's I think you're right about such a that. strong tool. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, so would you say that the meibomian gland imaging, moda- like, does that help you close on a lip of flow? I wouldn't say that I – there are people that have meibomian gland loss or even people that don't have loss that end up getting lip of flow. I think that it's just very easy for someone to say, my arm hurts. We do an x-ray of your arm and you have a broken bone and now you have a reason. And to look at your glands and see their gland loss and now – that's a practical reason that you can see and understand. But I would say that I don't think it would necessarily be totally appropriate to have lip of flow without a, a seeing your glands. Right. Because if you have total dropout, it's not necessarily going to be effective. Um, but when yeah, we first got lip of flow. We, we got it four or five years ago before the gland evaluators. Out. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so then what they told us to do is just use a transilluminator. Sure. Flip it underneath the lid, and but the again the the value in what you're saying is is not only for you and the tracking that you get, but also to show the patient. Absolutely. So it yeah. was a little bit harder to do that. You could do an anterior seg picture with the transilluminator under the lid sure. behind the slit lamp, but that was a little tougher. Lots of lots of coordinating there. Yeah, yes. I'm going to I'm going to link to the website a pretty cool calculator I found. It's called The Revenue okay. Potential with Lipoflow and Lipiscan. It's by bay.com. <laughs> Not sure what that's. Hey. Bay, hey bay. B I <laughs> don't know. Anyways, it talks about patient seen per week and you put in you can scroll this little calculator back and forth. It, and percentage of people that are screened for meibomian gland disease. Let's per, let's say you scan 20% Let's say you have a 40% conversion rate of people who see their glands and end up getting it. And let's say you charge $600 or sorry, your, let's say your revenue per, per procedure is $600. It shows you your gross profit per week and per year, which with this numbers I just told you, that's $78,000 a year, which is pretty awesome. And over two months, you break even. So anyways, that's just my two cents there. I think everyone should have it. I, there, there are so many times I've seen people that just want to get the scan and they plan on referring patients for Lipiflow. And it like breaks my heart to for who? them. To like another office? Another office. Yeah, I just don't want to. Why the hell would you do that? Exactly. I'm like, that is such a missed opportunity. And it's such an easy thing to do in your office. Not that much time. But right. anyway, so that's my favorite huh. right now. Gland imaging. Cool. Cool. Um, wish list though, man, you, when you get into a private practice and obviously you have control in your practice more so than I do in a big practice, but all your favorite toys that you had when you were in school go away. I mean, it's a real thing. You should talk about any people looking for jobs, students about to look for jobs, ask your future employers, what, what tools do you have that you love? It really changes the way you practice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't have a Pentacam, and it kills me on a daily basis. <laughs> I like my heart breaks on a daily basis. I love the Pentacam. I think it's great. I think it's so valuable. We have a very old OCT that's been outdated. Or sorry, sorry, topographer. And it really breaks my heart to manage anything in the cornea with Did that. you have one in school as well? I, I, you had I one had at one fellowship, in I guess. at Berkeley, but I don't remember using it as much there as I remember using it at my fellowship at KCI Institute. Yeah. Man, I had a pentagram on everyone, and I loved that data. Like, I started understanding everything about it, and oh, right. so great. Now, I'm like, well, what about the posterior cornea? 
<laughs> They're like, what? You can't see it. You don't know. Yeah. Where's the thickness so, everywhere? What's the thinnest point? Yeah, no, that's all really pretty important stuff. So yeah. what, I mean, you're in your position and you have this wish list. Right. How do you make that case to an employer yeah. that this is something that you, you know, should get? It helps you in X way. Like, is that a conversation you're having? Or Absolutely. I mean, you know, in a bigger group, sadly, with my group, we just recently had a pipe break in our building. And so we're going through all this reconstruction. So anything, all of our wish lists are out the window and have been for yeah. like the past eight months of dealing with this. But you really do have to kind of pick a plan, you know, put together a pro forma. You know, this is the cost of the machine. Um, but these are the number of patients we see on a daily basis. Here's how we properly could bill for this. This is what we could, our revenue, um, or return on investment for each patient. And considering how many patients we see, here's when I project we could be able to pay off this device. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's not that hard to figure out on your own, but I will say if you reach out to the rep, they will have that stuff ready for you. So, you know, like if, if you, you know, just say, well, I want to get this and I'm just, I know I could figure it out. I, I took math courses at some point in my life. I could figure this out. Right. <laughs> but, right. It's not um, that hard, but I have to really think hard about that. Reach out to the rep. They have that stuff. Oh, that's a great Lock idea. and ready and, you know, Brilliant. good for you to take. So nice. Great. Cool. Call. What do you want to get rid of? What do you want to just throw out the door? Okay. So. I'm going to say two kind of because one I'm saying mostly just because I think you're going to be upset about it. But (laughs) I people think that this is a must have and I've never used this in my practice for fitting contact lenses, particularly anterior segment OCT. Oh, waste of time. No, 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 no. Actually, I'm I'm with you, Roya. I'm 100 percent with you. It's just it does some cool things. But like, why? I think we're naturalists. Maybe. I'm a naturalist. I I will often tell people, I'm so much with you. Tell me why. Tell me why. Okay. I mean, everyone thinks you need these things to be able to do your job. And I've never once been like, I wonder what the anterior segment OCD would say on this. (laughs) I never once say that. Never. In fact, you don't even need a topographer to fix scleral lens. All you need is the lens and some solution. a granddaddy jalopy topographer and I fit lenses out my ears no problem. That doesn't mean I'm not like I still do a topography to manage the cornea and see, make sure it's not progressing, whether they have keratoconus or whatever. Yeah. But and nothing to do with what I care about for lenses. I I really 100 percent agree with you. And it's so interesting, you know, when we're at the booth with Valley Contacts or, you know, doing a workshop with docs out there in the in the field. And, you know, they're maybe just getting started with lenses and, and you're talking to them about uh, assessing the vault and assessing the limbal clearance. Like, well, I, I don't I don't want to know about that. I, I put on the OCT. It tells me everything I need to know. But you know what? There's I, and I need to dig a little bit into this, but I think there's been some research done. It just shows the variability with that is pretty significant. You know, it's it's 50 microns or something like that. I'm just kind of pulling that number out of thin air. Is right. that what you know? I mean, I mean, research or not, it's like you can see if you know if the lens is touching the cornea by taking the lens off and checking for staining. So why yeah. do I need to go to another room to get a scan done? When I could just quickly pop the lens off, put some fluorescent, and it's in. just one slice. 
You know, it I mean, doesn't. Some uh, there, it would maybe be a little helpful when someone's like just being really annoying about oh that feels something right here or whatever, and if I could see the edge exactly in cross section, that could be helpful to me. But otherwise, I've done fine without it, and it's never anything that I would go out of my way to do anything about. It's my personal opinion. I 100% agree with you that everybody should go without one for the first six months of fitting scleral lenses or something like that just to kind of learn how to assess the lens at the slit lamp. Totally agree. uh, I think you learn a whole different approach of being able to troubleshoot and uh, assess things because I I just think that looking at it under the OCT gives you a different appreciation of it that doesn't always match up with the symptoms. Yes. Um, And I really like to let the signs and symptoms in real life direct the fit. I always say let the eye fit the lens. Yes. Uh, So I 100% agree with you there. Well, yeah. I mean, 99% of the time, you don't even need to look at the lens. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like I don't even really need to look. I'm going to, of course, but I know what's going on. They're saying something and I could tell what they're saying. Right. Yeah, no, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Absolutely. But, I, mean, I mean, they're cool. A whole other, Sometimes you're on like a telepathic level though brilliant. with patients. You exactly. just, you just like put your hand out, close your eyes and say, oh, temporal edge compression. I know it. It's <laughs> yes. just what it is. I will heal you. Feel it in your See aura. you in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, so. I'm glad you feel the same way. It's cool. What's the second and you know what's that? Well, I'll just leave it at that. But I think that people also, because in literature, you see so many OCTs, so many of this, so many of that one talking about contacts, you're like, I must have to have that to be able to do this. Right. And eh, no, not necessary. I agree. I absolutely agree. It's, it is not necessary. And I think it'd be a good study, you know, to compare you know, somebody who just fits on um, empirical or, or observing at right. the slit lamp versus slit, uh, OCT only. And really, when, it, when you get to private practice, I mean, I do things for the benefit of the patient, first and foremost, period. Yep. However, it's nice to know when you're going to get reimbursed for a, a, a test yep. and that you're going to be able to be made whole on the investment of that uh, device. So with the anterior segment OCT, Really, there's no code to technically bill for that right. for a scleral lens. Right. There isn't. So, you know, then you're getting into, you know, touchy coding, billing things you shouldn't be billing. Okay. Technically. I'm glad you mentioned that because I just want to say one thing. I'm not that sure who and who's going to care about this. But so I was thinking about LipaScan recently or LipaView, and I was thinking, like, am I. Because what I typically do when I bill for it is I bill, I don't bill the day of service of doing my initial lip review. If the patient ends up getting lip flow. You mean for like an exam? Exactly. Like an exam? Exactly. Okay. I don't bill for the procedure because though there's a code, insurance doesn't cover it, right? So it's a non-covered service. So I decided, I mean, this has been two and a half years now that I've been doing this, but I decided I would just bundle it at a time of payment for the lip flow. So if they get lipid flow, I get paid for it. And if not, it's it's I don't want to deal with that. Okay. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. So I've been questioning that recently. Like it doesn't go to insurance though, so they're paying for it out of pocket. You can do whatever you want. Right, right. Like they pay for just the big treatment fee, and that's and if they look and see the line items, they'll see that. And if they ask them, say I'll say, you know, that was for your original console, and everyone knows I spend way more time than necessary with them anyway. 
But I was thinking recently, you know, we just recently bought a couple Lipa scans. Like, what can I do to make this more profitable for us? Because obviously we put a big investment into this and we do spend right. a lot of time talking about it. And it is a very cool technology. So I went on to one of the Facebook groups. I won't say which one. And I just kind of put a survey out and I was like, hey, all just trying to figure out what everyone's doing. Um, do people tend tell me to- which group? Tell me which group. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no, it's pretty just- obvious, but. I'm just kidding. You don't I said, anyway, what ahead. are people doing for this? Do you typically bill for it? Do you pay cash? Do you use a medical code? Are you billing for anterior segment pictures? Just kind of want to get an idea and kind of learn from everyone else. Instead of anything helpful, I did to my credit, like, this is my fault. I did put like $50, $100, $20. Like, I just put like trying to get an idea ballpark. I appreciate that may not be appropriate, but like I understood that this was a doctor's group. So, but I get three doctors back to back saying money is not appropriate. We are not trying to collude. We are not trying to, this is not an appropriate conversation. And I was thinking like, you know what you all, this, your responses are so uncollegial. I'm not trying to be against a patient. And to be honest, I don't care if you said $1,000 or two. Where I see the value isn't about how much money you're telling me or what. It's just like, what are you doing so we all can learn? Because if no one's charging anything, maybe I shouldn't be. Or if everyone's charging $20. How do you know? That's what I mean. Like, why why are you being so touchy about this? We need to be yeah, able to so, talk about these things so we can all see how it would apply to our practice and our patients. So there's this thing called the Sherman Antitrust Act. Um, and basically, basically what it says is that a group of competitors can't get together and talk about price fixing. Okay. And so it's, it's a federal law. So, yeah. So people take this to the whole extreme oh extent of, you know, the letter of the law. And, you know, you know who our worst enemy is? ourselves right we're the worst enemy and you know then there's going to be you know one you know interesting young man or woman or whatever who thinks that what you did was incorrect and maybe you know tell somebody that you know so you know ultimately i think if we're coming at things with the with the spirit of helping one another and not you know and also knowing that in in the end all of us have the patient's best interest in mind. Right. But also, you can't do what we do without getting reimbursed appropriately for it. You for know, sure. so it's just part of the whole concept. It's part of what we do. Insight. We have to be able to pay for it. So Insight. Yeah. So I mean it's not like we're trying to screw people over. Sure. And say, look, we all need to provide the same fee or, or, you know, whatever. No, no, no one is price fixing. No one is colluding. No, no. one is doing any of that stuff. And, and you know, it, it gets crazy. But there's a couple people out there, a couple, you know, code heads, if you will, <sighs> who think, you know, that they're just the, the Sherman Antitrust Act uh, police. Right. And I was. It's, it's absurd. It threw off my afternoon. I was like, geez, Louise, people. I was just trying to get a gauge of what everyone's doing i wasn't trying to like make some oh it's the wolves <laughs> oh, it's the I got wolves on there. today i was like damn yes yes you assholes yes. you are yeah. asking you i wasn't assholing you <laughs> you're an asshole, not an asshole. all right well yeah, that so... about does it for today but 
Again, before we go, we'd like to say thanks to Valley Contacts for their support. Not only, of course, for their lenses, but the great people they are to work with. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. Actually, we're really excited. We're having our first guest. Woo! Woo! Um, and we'll be gossiping about controversial topics on scleral lens management. But until then, try not to blink. <laughs>